This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello and welcome to a Friday afternoon edition of America's favorite sports writers. We have Andrew Hammond here in the Tacoma News Tribune out there in the Pacific Northwest. Andrew, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. And in the Northeast making her America's Favorite Sports Writers debut, Molly Walker of New York Post. Molly, good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for being here. So this is fun. Um, I'm excited to talk about the stuff that we want to talk about today. Um, It's going to be very hard for me not to go scorched earth on Jamal Adams before we get there in the bonus part of today's show. Um, But I want to start off with the positive. We got to start off with the positive, which is that... uh, the Seattle hockey team, the NHL's 32nd team. It's amazing that we all just need 32 teams or it just doesn't feel like a full league. Mm-hmm. 32 just sounds right. It's like March Madness, 64. There's just certain numbers that we like. It just it sounds right. But 31 actually annoyed me for the last two seasons in the NHL. Like It actually bothered me having 31 teams. Now we have 32. The Seattle Kraken with just an all-time great opening statement is that correct molly what did uh what did you think of the seattle kraken's uh opener i'm a big fan um i really liked how they did it i liked their live broadcast that they had from inside their new arena like the construction site i thought that was a really cool touch with all the uh women and male uh, workers there that was really cute um and then obviously the unveiling of the logo was was awesome um my favorite part about it was that it was clearly a fan favorite um, so I think the fact that they listened to their demographic and listened to the people of Seattle and, you know, it was clearly a front runner. Everybody wanted it to be the Kraken. So um, I think it was great branding by them all around from the jerseys to the logo to the secondary logo. So you could tell how much detail went into it. Um, I was a big fan and I'm I'm very excited to get some merch. That's for sure. <laughs> what about you, Andrew? You're there locally. What did, uh, what did you think? I think you already tweeted about the jersey that you're probably going to already rock oh absolutely um so yeah no here's the thing i love me uh, a solid hockey sweater is just 
it's beautiful. Okay. Um, so the thing about the Kraken is it felt like even from when the, when it, it was officially announced there's going to be a 30-second team, people were already saying, and this was December 4th, 2018, call him the Kraken, call him the Kraken. And I'm like, okay, that, yeah, that it, it works. So, you know, to, to, to that point where it's like, okay, we know this is probably going to be the team name. I guarantee you the Pacific Northwest would have rioted if it wasn't the Kraken and it was something dumb, um, which something dumb means it wasn't the Kraken. So the fact that they that listened. the shot, guys. Right, we act honestly. The sockeyes and steelheads wouldn't would have would have not been a bad alternative either. I'm like, partial those to would, the bitch pigeons personally. See, see, see. <laughs> and I, every time I la- I every time I see that logo, every time I see Rain City bitch pigeons, <laughs> I absolutely lose it because it's like, yeah. And so when you live out here, you're like. Yeah, that that actually works. Um, but no, so it's it. So the entire unveiling has been fantastic. The branding, you know, the fact that we haven't actually seen the full Kraken, which my my biggest thing is, don't don't ever show the full thing. Like have it be kind of just hidden and mysterious. And you know, they did a fantastic job of it. Um, the one thing that I'm I'm kind of getting tired of, and I think people are going to get tired of it, and it's not going to be funny or cute, you know, once they take the ice in 2021 or 22, whenever, is uh, two things: the crack house and mm-hmm. crackheads. Like it's like guys that it wasn't cute and you know funny in 2018 when this was probably going to happen. So it's it's not funny now guys like it's 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 just not mm. molly what do you think i totally agree um i think that that's a very tired you know i guess nickname to pull out of all that stuff um obviously the connotation is negative and you know a lot of people can be offended by that um i am happy however that they still decided to go through with it knowing that that was a possibility but i guess willing to take on i guess the challenge of diminishing that and you know, I, I've seen a lot of reporters and a lot of sports writers just talking about how we're not going to do that. You know, nobody is, nobody's laughing. It's not funny. Like, just don't do it. But because like everybody's so happy with the logo and, and how it came out and that they listened to them and that they still went with the fan favorite name and everything. Um, so don't ruin it with bringing up the crack house and, and the crackheads a narrative. It's just tired. And, and like, like uh, he said, not funny. Well, my favorite part about it is, I'll, I'll, I'll say, sorry, Chase, um, but I, I, Vancouver calling them the Squidwards, that was good. Like, <laughs> we're already going to get a, you know, Seattle Vancouver rivalry going. I'm like, okay, the Squidwards, okay. So, like, I hope Seattle can win a cup before Vancouver. So, it's just like, oh, yeah, I can't hear you. There's a Stanley Cup in my ear. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> let me Let me pull that out real quick. Um, what was it? 
One of the other things that I saw that this was my favorite tweet about all of this, and it was uh, I think from friend of the pod Bunky Perkins, and I think I retweeted this: <laughs> yes. the OKC Frackens, which just when they eventually moved to Oklahoma City, <laughs> I just I, yeah. that made me very happy. I that was that was good. Um, <laughs> Mon, one thing with the OKC joke. Oh, go ahead. Yep. Yeah. I was saying the OKC jokes were that came along with it were pretty entertaining. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Molly, what do we know right now about the team? Like, when it's officially happening, what do we know about who's going to be running this team? What uh, are they going to have? Because this is something that I've been thinking about. Vegas capitalized uh, in a major, unique way to kind of go from uh, expansion to just contender very quickly because they of the way they handled free agency and the draft and all that kind of stuff. Is Seattle going to have those same um, avenues to immediate success that Vegas did, or have the rules fluctuated and shifted a little bit to make sure that they can't capitalize in the same way? As someone that really loved the whole narrative of Vegas making the Stanley cup playoffs, the Stanley cup finals in their first yeah year of existence. I mean, I loved that. I thought that was great for the game. Um, I was super invested in it. And, but I think that also showed the NHL, that the way that they did the expansion draft wasn't well done. I guess you could say wasn't Mm -hmm. exactly what they wanted to do. I think they loaded that team up with big players, especially just behind, they handed them a franchise player on their plate, Marc-Andre Fleury. You know, I I thought that was, I mean, as a fan, I loved it. But for the league, it it just they know that they can't do that again, I think. So I, I don't think that this year's expansion draft is gonna be as as it was beforehand. I'm not hundred percent sure how it's gonna go, but I know it's gonna be different. And they said that. Um so I think that they're definitely weary of not putting together that all star team that they kinda did with Vegas. But again, like the upward trajectory of being a brand new team, you know, there's it, there's a a carefree attitude about it. You know, it's the first team. There's so much excitement. There's so many endless possibilities. And even if they do fall flat on their face, you could only go up. So, I mean, uh, I, I know that their first season is going to be in 2021, I believe. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see, but I'm really excited for it. And I, I wouldn't hate if, you know, they got a really great, expansive expansive expansion team um and put together a really awesome team that made it far in the playoffs like the vegas golden knights did because i thought that was just miraculous and something so much fun for nhl fans to follow what do you think andrew so yeah i i I agree with molly i don't think that the nhl wants that to happen again but at the same time I think just the the way that the financials and free agency and, you know, roster continuity, how that challenges teams, I think there are some issues for where, you know, those teams, you know, say, um, you know, like with Marc-Andre Fleury, it was like, financially, we'd like to keep you, but... You know, you also have Matt, the the rise of Matt Murray at that time. So it was like, do we go younger? So there's going to be some veteran players that, you know, that are going to be there, you know, to, to be picked. So it's like, you know, who do you protect? Who do you not protect? So I think that for the other 31 teams in the league, they're going to sit back and go, okay, 
this is what we can do. This is, you know, this is what our challenges are. So I think financially the teams that can keep as many star players or keep as many vital players as they can is going to be important to how, uh, how the Seattle team looks. And, and you know, I've really, Ron Francis is a really, really hot, uh, is a really smart hockey guy. Uh, he's the GM in, in Seattle and he knows the league very, very well. And so, Depending on what they do, I'm going to be very fascinated on how this team is, one, constructed, and two, how they mesh together. Do they want to go with a youth movement? Do they want to go uh, you know, with a bit more veteran presence? I, I think that Vegas just went with, you know, let's just grab who we can grab, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're in a stadium. Cup final, so uh, I'm definitely going to be interested in seeing how Seattle's uh, philosophy and what the NHL financials uh, kind of dictate what other teams do. Molly, any more thoughts on that? Yeah, I same. I mean, with the financials and just how the CBA worked out, and you know, just with this pandemic season right now, it just it, it influences it influences everything going forward. So there are so many things that still aren't hashed out. I mean, I still don't think anybody understands how the NHL draft lottery works because I sure don't. <laughs> so I think that there are still so many things that need to be hashed out um, going to this expansion draft. So like Andrew said, I'm, I'm very anxious to see how, how it all plays out. So what is y'all's schedule for the, uh, the, the chase for the cup? Because I, I, I just Pete Blackburn had a uh, really good tweet where he had the Matthew McConaughey like deeply inhaling a cigarette when looking at the daily <laughs> schedule for the NHL. Like, how are you going to do this? Are you wa- are you going to plan like which games you're going to watch each day? Or are you going to like ingest as much as you possibly can? Like, how is it going to work for y'all? Um, I definitely am going to ingest as much hockey as I possibly can. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but um, I'm so excited for it to come back. I feel like it's been so long without it. Um, I don't. I like that they staggered it schedule-wise specifically to you know make more opportunities for people that want to watch hockey to be able to watch all the hockey that they possibly can. So I think they were really strategic with their scheduling of games. And uh, I know I'm really excited for the Rangers and Islanders exhibition matchup um, coming up uh, on Wednesday, next Wednesday already it is. So I think that's going to be a really great game, especially for New York hockey fans. So um, that's definitely one that's circled on my calendar. (laughs) There you go. Andrew, what about you? I have already, and I'm probably going to wrap it up this weekend a little bit, but I've already uh, put together like basically a PDF. Sorry, my uh, my computer messed up on me. Um, but I was I, I've already put together like PDFs from all the schedules for. Uh, for the NHL, for I also have you know MLS and NBA and and some Major League Baseball. So I'm like putting together what I'm gonna watch each day, every morning. Like everything's gonna be watched, but it's either gonna be on a PlayStation or a computer or an iPhone or a tablet. So like everything is good to go when it comes to programming. Like it's all gonna be watched. <laughs> there you go. Um... Yeah, it's uh, it, it's kind of like I feel guilty, but I'm already kind of somewhat overwhelmed with everything coming back at once. 
we already have MLS back. I mean, Atlanta United getting knocked out early was actually like a, a blessing for me where I'm like, okay, that's one thing I can cross out here because I was just good. No Jose Martinez. I was okay with this. So just go ahead and cancel that out. Liverpool winning. It's good. Um, but it's just MLB is here. So the Braves play at four and I'll be watching that. And then we have NBA coming back next weekend and then we have the NHL and then the NFL is right around the corner and then college football is right around the corner. Fingers crossed. Like it's, um, we're about to go from zero things to watch for four months to <laughs> literally every sport decided to come back at the same time like it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to balance everything we're gonna see a lot of twitter pictures of people with their seven different monitors um over the next few months trying to trying to uh just <laughs> take care of everything i i can't do that i'm not a two-person tv watcher i've never understood how people do that are do y'all do me that neither no? Me okay. neither. What? No, I've never done that. I do a, a my last button on my remote gets a good workout. <laughs> Whenever any of this stuff happens, I flip between as many channels as I possibly can. So I imagine that's what I'm going to be doing. But you know, I'm not a I'm not a double TV no. monitor watcher either. Wow. I can't do it. <laughs> Andrew, you are. How many monitors are we talking yeah. over there in Tacoma, Andrew? Uh, so at the absolute like chaotic evil. Uh, if, 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 if I can use that term, um, I can go six six what? screens. Jeez. Uh, well, uh, okay, so okay, so usually I'll keep one one like one with the sound on, um, and then there's like, if, but mainly I use it for like college football stuff. So if there's multiple games on, I like sports anyway. So I'll just oh, okay. So I'll just keep a game on in the background. But if it's something I want to watch, but I also want to keep my eye on another game, okay, you know, then I'll kind of switch things around. So um, it's funny because uh, my my girlfriend at the time uh, came over and was like, "Yeah, I just want to you know hang out with you one Saturday." I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." And so she's sitting there and there's four different screens and she's like, and she likes football. And she's, she was looking at me. She's like, you do this every Saturday. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm also writing. And she was like, I don't know if, if I'm impressed or alarmed. And I was mm. just like, it's like, you can do both. You can do both. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm so intimidated by uh, NFL red zone. Oh, how they yeah. do that, how they switch between every, that overwhelms my senses so much, like skipping from game to game in between plays and such that actually drives me up a wall. But I, I understand for huge football fans how that's like the ideal way, especially fantasy football fans. That's like the ideal way to see how like all your players are doing and stuff. But I've tried to watch it before and I'm actually like, I am so overwhelmed. I need to change the channel. Red Zone sucks. Like I have, yes. I have a very strong take on Red Zone. It's bad for football fans because it can like it warps how you see all these different games and people's takes coming stemming from Red Zone are just so all over the place because all they're seeing is just the last twenty yards of a team driving and just and mm-hmm. I don't like the just the bouncing between things back and forth. What I will say, the only redeeming thing about NFL red zone and look, if I'm sports are one day, like I'm immediately canceling red zone. Like that's gone. Like we're getting rid of that. But <laughs> the guy who I forget his name, the guy who actually hosts red zone is oh, Scott a Hansen? Yeah. He is a champion. The fact that he's able to do all of that. And like, he just sits in that yeah. chair for hours on end 
all like it's amazing that he can pull that off because I would not be able to That's do that. So job. shout out to him for doing <laughs> that because there's no way in hell I would do that. I I'm Stace, I'm right there with you. Like I like, and this is from somebody who watches who who will watch games on multiple screens. Red Zone is t- like the NFL wants to complain about ratings and quality of play. And it's like, oh well, how come? No, you're basically giving us, you know, you're you're serving fast food, but then want to complain about the quality of it. It's like, guys, you're literally giving us all the touchdowns. Let people watch how a game develops. But you know, we're in this era of, I need, I need it now. I need it, you know, right away. So it's yeah, Red Zone is, has been terrible for the growth of the game, but that's another story for another day. See, this is when I become that 60 year old man that Molly was talking about earlier. So like, yeah, just, <laughs> I hate red zone. It's, it's stupid. It's good. It's good. <laughs> um, next up Nashville, uh, Nash Vegas is, uh, they already got a soccer team that came in They're They're new. They're expanding. They want a baseball team. So Tony LaRusso just can't stay away. League office, Diamondbacks, like he's he's getting bored. He's doing different stuff. Um, Dave Dombrowski involved here. He moved to um, Nashville. Um, he won a title with Red Sox not too long ago. Um, fired for uh, the team not spending enough and uh, not uh, not to do another stuff. So anyway, they wanted to change directions with Bloom and all that kind of stuff. But good GM. They're looking at bringing an MLB team to the Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball is hesitant to expand, uh, but they don't they don't have that magical 32 teams. So until they get to that magical number of 32, it doesn't feel like they're a complete league. Right. <laughs> um, Nashville, in terms of teams that are cities that make sense for a Major League Baseball team i think they're in that top group i mean vegas now just seems obvious but i've never been a big portland or charlotte believer um portland just because if you look at the seattle market and san francisco i I just don't think that would be all that great and then charlotte is just all braves fans so i don't think you'd be able to pull there and that's another concern that i have with nashville is just just how many braves fans are in the area already um what do you guys think do you think nashville makes sense as a expansion site for major league baseball and then the other part of this is that do you think baseball is even in a position where they should be thinking about expansion um andrew we'll start with you uh i am once again i feel like i'm the i'm i'm the old man the crotchety old man i don't think they should expand i don't think major league baseball is in any position to expand i'd like to actually like to see them contract a team or two uh, just because there are certain markets, high Tampa, uh, that aren't drawing. And my, my biggest fear is you add in Nashville. Okay. It's great for a year or two, but after that, we, we basically go back to the same thing. Uh, look at Florida, uh, look at the Marlins, are, are, are they drawing? So I, I'm really, I worry about Nashville. Um, same with Portland. I, I think Portland could work, but I'm not sure, you know, who you'd move there or if you do have an expansion team there. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think Major League Baseball is just in a situation where they need to maybe lessen uh, the amount of teams instead of expansion. Molly, what do you think? Um, I agree with Andrew in the sense that I don't think Major League Baseball is in a position at all to be thinking about expanding, especially after the offseason that they just had with negotiations and stuff. I just don't think that's something that they can put on their plate right now. However, if they were to do it, I think Nashville would be great because I think Nashville is one of those markets where it's just like Vegas and that it's such a tourist driven market that like even people that aren't that big of baseball fans could be putting an event like that on their itinerary when they're visiting Nashville. Like I know when I went to Vegas with all my friends for spring break, uh, before I checked the schedule and saw that there wasn't any games at home that week, obviously that we were there. Um, But I said to them, you know, it's my birthday and I really want to go, even though I'm the only sports fan of all my girlfriends, they were still very willing to go because it's kind of like a part of the experience, you know, thing that attraction that has become Vegas, you know, they have that awesome opening routine and everything. And I feel like Nashville is one of those prime markets to do something like that. You know, Smashville, like there's just so many, awesome things that you can do with Nashville and the country music, you know, that's just like a great tourist destination where if they were to, you know, expand, I think Nashville would be perfect. Um, I really do. I think that would be really awesome for them. But like Andrew said, regardless, I don't think that they're in a position to be doing that and don't think that'll come to fruition for a little bit here. (laughs) Well, their plan is like five years out. They, They want to build a stadium and if they do it next to the river, I think that'd be a cool look. They already have a name picked out so they're crawling before they are they're walking before they crawl um the nashville stars um after a negro leagues team so bob kendrick Mm -hmm. the president of the negro leagues baseball museum in kansas city is on the board for the music city group that is looking about the team and one of the things that um the new york times article by uh, tyler kepner mentioned is that this is something like this group is extremely diverse and it's something that major league baseball is looking towards because they're uh, more than 89, 83% of MLB field managers and top baseball operation officials are white and male. So um, bringing in Dave Stewart, who was the former GM of the diamondbacks, he's heavily involved. Um, This is something where to get a diverse ownership group in major league baseball, I think is important. Um, maybe even more so than other sports leagues right now, just because of how, I mean, if you just look at all the GMs across major league baseball, they all went to an an Ivy. They're in their like thirties and forties and they're white. It (laughs) seems like. And not, not your typical baseball people either. No. Uh, um, Like, like Theo Epstein, you're like, Oh, he's, he's a kid. He's, he he could be on Wall Street anywhere. You're just like, oh, that's that's fascinating. But then you realize, oh, there's like a whole bunch of them like that. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 fascinating to see what the makeup of uh, MLB executives look like. Yeah, Molly, what do you think? I'm just stuck on uh, Dave Dombrowski being, you know on the head there because I mean, I just think of, of all the people that lost their job because of the sign stealing scandal and, and building a franchise with a member of one of those teams. Not that it doesn't sit right with me, but it, it just kind of raises my eyebrow a little bit. 
because mm. I just feel like, you know, with the pandemic that came, it, it totally flushed everything that was going on in Major League Baseball with the sign ceiling scandal under the rug, because obviously that didn't hold a candle to what was going on in the world. But it totally made people, I think, kind of forget about it, which I think could work in their favor. But I, I'm always just a little hesitant about how it'll be perceived to be building an organization around someone, even though he was cleared of all wrongdoing, I know, but you're not going to sit there and tell me that every single member of that organization wasn't aware of what was going on within. So I just think about that kind of stuff and, and what kind of questions they'll be faced with from reporters and stuff, building um, an organization from scratch off of someone that had had a role, I guess, in, in such a, a blip in Major League Baseball history. <laughs> well, I've got great news. Alex Cora is going to be the Red Sox manager next year. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't put it past them. I really wouldn't, especially given how quickly everybody, I think, moved past it mm -hmm. once bigger things arose. But um, I, I do think that I, I, don't, I just, I don't know. I, I'm very, I have a lot of mixed feelings about it because it's, it's all about the integrity of the game. And if you think about how upset people were with everything that went on with the science healing scandal, I just, you want to, you, do, you don't want to associate with that in any way, shape or form, obviously going forward. So I think that'll be a question worth asking. Andrew, what do you think? Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I before the scandal, I really like Dave Dombrowski. Uh, yeah, he's good. He won everywhere. Yeah. So, so and so it's like okay, perfect. You want to bring him in? Fine. But yeah, as as Molly was saying, the pandemic and this global crisis that we are still in, by the way, uh, that wiped out everything that's going on. So yeah, Dave's like yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, me and me and my buddy Tony are just you know putting the team together. So uh, yeah, we're gonna start a team. Yeah, and, you, <laughs> and, and you're like, wait a second, wait, Dave. Yeah, are you, thank you. It's like it's like Dave. You're like, uh, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Yeah, um, I think oh, he's that, bored. Oh, he absolutely. <laughs> is. And it was funny because I was actually making a joke with my old boss. I said, you know, uh, when all this went down, I said, you know, Dave's gonna get like. I said, Dave's smart enough to and good enough at his job that he's going to end up landing somewhere. And huh, it could be in Nashville in five years, which he's going to be like in his mid 70s at that point. If I if, if I recall correctly, he's going to be in his mid 70s at that point. So it's just like, dude, you might as well just like wait out and find another place, because if Nashville don't work out. Do you really want to stick around the game? I think these mm -hmm. guys lose their mind. Like my dad, I'm nervous about him ever retiring. Like he would a <laughs> drive my mother crazy, but b like he just <laughs> is programmed to work and do what he's always been doing. And I think Dombrowski's been doing um, GMing for so long that the idea of him just like waiting out the last couple of years, like I think that stuff is depressing. Like if you play your cards right in life, you should be able to like, uh, or you should want to be able to do what you like doing until the very end. Um, where they have to force mm -hmm. you out um, if you play your cards right. But I think Dombrowski is just one of those guys who's just like, you know, um, I can't just sit on the beach every day. I can't go to the <laughs> lake or go to a cabin and just hang out. I, I don't think he's wired like that. And I think a lot of people are not wired like that. I don't think Dave has any kids. 
But I will say that if he did have a kid, say if he had like a 27-year-old son who's playing MLB The Show, I guarantee you, Dave is sitting there like, yeah, um, doing this whole franchise mode thing, Dad, you want to see how it works? Yeah, sure. Like five minutes in, he's still in the controller trying to make moves and, and all that. And it's like, you know, they have to like sit him down. It's like, Dad, you need to get some help. Like, that's what I feel like Dave is so bored at home. He's just playing MLB the show and just completely like stolen his kid's PS4. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I don't know. I don't think that's uh... <laughs> it's not happening, but damn it. I want it to happen. Yeah. There you go. Um, speaking of things <laughs> we'll that are going that. to happen, um, that I don't want to happen. Uh, Fox is going to, uh, have digital fans. Like we're going to see the start on baseball. And now we know that they've reached out to the NFL about this. I, I just, I think this is going to be extremely <laughs> corny. Like I'm already ready for just how corny this is going to look and how weird it's going to look. Um, they're trying whatever. And I, it's hard for me to criticize stuff like this because there's no right answer to fix this. The, the right answer is something that's not possible, which is having fans there and you can't do that. So anything else is just like throwing shit at the wall and hoping one of these things stick. And I don't think any of it will based on last night and what we've seen thus far. It's just going to be weird. That's just part of the deal. But, I mean, is this a situation where it's kudos for trying and things outside of the box by bringing in um, digital fans? Or do you think this is just going to be a recipe for disaster and that they're just trying to do too much? Molly, what do you think? I mean, I I admire them for, for trying. You know, you got to get credit where it's due and they're faced with this bizarre situation and there's not a lot of options that they have to engage fans and that they can't come to the games. But I mean, in a perfect world for us, major sports fans, you know, I think it would be awesome if they embraced the opportunity and hot mic'd the whole field. Mm. Like let us actually hear what the players are saying, regardless of the fact that it's going to be a, 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 an expletive waste tirade 90% yeah. of the time. But I just think that would be so much more fan engaging, so much more, I guess, like taking advantage of the opportunity. But obviously they can't do that because they're trying to make it a family pastime and and young people can't listen to the things that some of these players, I'm sure, are saying when they're striking out and whatnot. So, I mean, it's a it's all a bizarre concept and and none of it is normal and, and none of it is ideal, obviously. But I mean, I give them kudos for trying um, to give some fans some engagement that they have. I know at watching all the different league drafts and stuff, they all had their little touch to it. You know, the NFL uh, streaming in, you know, multiple people just on the back screen of Goodell, you know, like I thought that was fun. And they're just trying to make it work now. But I mean, ideally if they were allowed to do this, it would be so awesome if they could just hot mic everybody and, and let us hear what they're saying during the game and taking advantage of the fact that there's there's no fans, you know, because obviously Aaron Boone's Savages in the Box rant that was caught on a, on hot mics on a very low-attended game was huge for the league, for the team, for the sport. I feel like it just, it was so real and raw and it was a rallying cry for the Yankees, you know, things like that, you know, you can't plan to happen, but if they learn from experience and saw something like that, that happened, it, it would be kind of cool if they went and, ra- and ran with that. But obviously that's an ideal, perfect world for sports fans. <laughs> that's not going to happen. No, Andrew. 
I want the hot mic. Like what? Yeah, when, when Molly said that, I was like, yes. Like, I like. I'm sorry. It's 2020, people. I understand that there are censors. I understand that you know the seven words you can't say on television. I get all of that. But if you want raw emotion and you want, you know, the aspect you you want real life, you want reality, like hot mic, and mm-hmm. it's not like. You know, it's not like the NFL where, you know, with with a hot mic, you know, you can catch. Oh, you can you can pick up on signs and stuff like with baseball. Baseball is such a quiet game anyway that, you know, you aren't really going to get. Oh, my God, I can't believe they said that like the NBA. NBA is going to be a bit different and actually be more hilarious if you had hot mics there. But yeah, no, the, the whole the, the whole fake fans and the 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 CGI fans, it, it's so weird. Like last night I was watching the Mavericks and the Lakers and they had the Laker girls, quote unquote, on the floor. Uh, they were all in boxes like they're the Brady Bunch. <laughs> And they're dancing, and they're you know like dancing you know in their little cubes. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, this is just so weird. It, it feels they're it feels forced. Strip clubs in Houston now. This is the new yeah. Animal, sir. Well, it, 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 and it, but here's my thing. Like, well, I'm not even I'm not even going to touch that. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry. Um, but no, it's just this this aspect of. You know, that authenticity, it's like, okay, we're already playing this in strange circumstances. Now you're going to add fake fans in. Like, it's, it all just doesn't, and partially I know for TV they want that, but at the same time, it's like, guys, that's not the authentic experience. Like, it, it feels, like, when you see it on a video game, we know it's fake. But this is real. Don't give me MLB The Show audio so you can you know simulate something at Wrigley Field like it's it's gross it's dumb guys it's 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 dumb well the NBA is different like the NBA I didn't notice like I think they've done the best job like I think having the squeaks and the sounds and just how fast it is and this is something that I thought about too is that sports with no fans the ones that are hurt the most are the ones that um, have a lot of pauses and have a lot of okay you're going back Mm -hmm. in the huddle and it's very little action but like hockey um and molly you could probably speak to this too is that with how fast it's moving you don't have time for your brain to just think about the lack of sound coming around Mm -hmm. the arena is that you're just focused on the action and the action is nonstop. so in basketball and hockey you have that just all like everything is going go 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 um the only time it's awkward in basketball is literally during free throws that's it that's the only time i thought okay this is kind of strange but outside of that Mm -hmm. i don't notice it you know i agree i don't think that um it i I don't think that sports like that that don't have as have as as many pauses it's going to be awkward you know it's just it's such a bizarre thing to begin with, but I like how the NBA, you know, all the digital signs and everything. And I like how they, how they, you know, put it together, but I agree with, like you said, in hockey, the only thing that really impacts like hockey players and basketball players for fans is, you know, 
in between when you are going up and down the ice or up and down the court in the fast pace of the game, it, it is fan, you do feed off the fans' reactions to things. You feed off of fan reactions to, to goals and to, and to buckets and stuff like that. So I think that's the biggest place where they're, they're going to miss out on things. But, but otherwise, yeah, it might be really tough for football and baseball with the long pauses. And it just, it's, it's impossible for the announcers not to acknowledge how empty the stadium is. Like my one issue with the uh, major league baseball broadcast yesterday was how the announcers just kept acknowledging that it was so quiet and, (laughs) and that, Oh, if, if fans were here, they'd be going nuts. Like, like, okay. I hope that just was pertaining to the first broadcast because what else are they going to talk about? But that needs to stop because that's just going to point it out even more. Like uh, going back to the hot mic stuff, like the best part of the Yankee national game last night was when Scherzer screamed, God damn it. Mid- <laughs> yes. to Stanton As it went out of the ballpark, you know, like that was so awesome and so real. And you knew as soon as he said, God damn it, that it was going out of the park, you know, like that was so raw and real and new because of having no fans. So again, an opportunity to take advantage and to engage fans more is by hearing the real life, real time reactions. But I mean, I, I guess we're just going to have to pick and choose and, and be grateful for the ones that we do get like that. Scherzer, goddamn it was just perfect. <laughs> I, and I love how, like to that point, like I love how as soon as Stanton make contact, like that's how you know <laughs> a pitcher is, is uh, that that's a veteran pitcher right there. Cause it, like, as soon as he made contact, it wasn't one of those where, he regretted it, you know, as soon as he threw it. It's like, as soon as he made contact, it was like, uh, yeah, it's like mistakes were made. Um, yeah, but yeah, like the gone. NBA, <laughs> like, like, like the NBA, a guy missing a shot. Like if you hear it loud enough on a mic during a game on TV, like imagine the hilarity you're going to get when guys are, you know, out of position on defense where you can kind of hear hints of it a little bit, but like on a hot mic, with no crowd and nothing going on, it's going to be like, uh, you know, like a run at the Y, like a noon noon ball run at the Y instead of, you know, there's just higher paid players and better athletes. Yeah. I think we need to bring Kevin Garnett back for one season because he is <laughs> someone I need yeah. for the hot mic. That would yes. be, um, I mean, just him from the crowd, trash ass motherfucker. Um, that was great. Uh, we need him <laughs> back in here. Um, Last thing, we'll, and we'll wrap up here with the bonus. Um, Jamal Adams, who has, um, as I check my notes here, has made it very clear he does not want to be a New York Jet. And he is getting... He's awesome. He's one of the best safeties in football. He has earned a contract extension. The new way the NFL is working where if you don't lock these guys down after like one or two max good years, it's just going to get ugly. And... The Jets did not do that. Went through different GMs. Um, obviously, some very strange and uncomfortable ownership stuff going on behind the scenes as well. Um, it's a mess. However, Jamal Adams just publicly ripping Adam Gase today was another level. Like him just saying, <laughs> I want to like come get me for the Cowboy stuff is just stupid. Like It's whatever. You can move past that. But like... Him saying, I don't feel like he's the right leader for this organization to reach the promised land. As a leader, what really bothers me is that he doesn't have a relationship with everybody in the building. At the end of the day, he doesn't address the team. 
If there's a problem in the locker room, he lets another coach address the team. If we're playing shitty and we're losing, he doesn't address the entire team as a group at halftime. He'll walk out of the locker room and let another coach handle it. I I mean, <laughs> if you want to get traded, this is a great, but also like if you're another team, like wh- what are you doing? I mean, it's not Antonio Brown level, just like self-sabotage, but like wh- why do this? Like, I understand you want to get moved, but is it really that bad? I don't understand why it's this bad and why he's this angry and going this route. Because I think this is a just really shitty to do to your current coach and your current team. Um, but B, like, I don't think this helps his trade value at all. So if like your end goal is to get out of there, I think the better course of action is probably to just say nothing behind the scenes and just talk to your agent and be like, hey, keep pressing, keep pressing, see what you can do. Um, I don't, I don't get this at all. And I think this is something that's going to really backfire on him in a major way. Andrew, what do you think? Uh, so when I woke up this morning, I saw Adam Gase trending on Twitter and I was like, Oh, what's going on? (laughs) And and my first thought was, okay, either, and this is sad that, you know, he's got COVID or he is he was on an interview and then i see it's like oh jamal adams completely written like yeah that's uh, that sounds about right so yeah it's 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 nothing crazy but at the same time it's nothing you know that i didn't expect uh, adam gase i feel like he is that type of guy that coaching in the nfl has just, it's 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 too big for his britches uh, he needs to be an OC somewhere, and just the fact that nobody seems to be happy on the Jets, which is you know shocker. Uh, but you know Jamal Adams, what he's doing, I think it's just he knows that he knows his value, and he's tired of being silent about it. And I think the Jets um, just have to. He's forcing their hand, which. I'm not the biggest fan of, but in a situation like this where clearly he does not want to be there, the Jets just got to oblige at this point. Molly, what do you think? So I see this from both sides. I really do. Um, I'm ready. My Here we go. From... I'm ready for the Jamal <laughs> Adams do. apology. I do, I do. I, I'm ready for this. <laughs> no, I mean, my one thing is that Jamal Adams is not the first Jets player to complain about the Jets organization communication. Plain and simple. What they did to Kelechi Osemele, I thought, Mm. was pretty brutal. Of course, we don't know the logistics, the real ins and outs. Obviously, we're not within the organization. But I was there the day that we spoke to Kelechi Osemele for like 30 minutes. Just point blank, like clear the air talking about everything that he has gone through with the organization, trying to get that surgery and everything that he said to me was extremely genuine and authentic. And I really, he could be a great actor. I don't know. Again, don't know these players personally, but Mm -hmm. I believed every word that he said regarding the organization. And if Jamal Adams was just to attack the organization's communication aspect, that's one thing. And that's, You know, that's something that, you know, if a player feels strongly enough about it to call an organization out on it enough, like, fine, so be it. But when you turn it and and directly, like, address your coach, uh, someone who is also trying to keep their job and somebody who's also employed by the league, you know, 
you're, you're, they're literally on the same team. I just, um, that's where, you know, it gets a little fuzzy for me where I don't a hundred percent agree with how Jamal went about it. But again, like you said, I definitely think he's trying to actively trying to get traded. So this is a way to do it. You know, this is a way to ostracize yourself and to make a team look at you and say, we can't bring him back into the organization. So I think if that's what he was trying to do, mission accomplished. But like you said, it's not the best look on him. You know, what other organization is going to look at him and say, we want this guy, all the talent he brings and everything. But if he's unhappy, is he going to gaslight our coach? Is he going to gaslight our OC? You know, like that's definitely not the locker room type of guy that everybody is looking for and that everybody wants in star players like Jamal Adams. So I see both sides of it. But the one thing I will say in Jamal Adams' defense is that communication over there at the New York Jets is not ideal. It is clearly something that is going on behind closed doors and there is just a disparity there. And, you know, that's something that needs to be addressed. You know, that's just, that's something that, okay, if you're going to clear the air, fine. But I just, if, if you're the Cowboys and you do trade for him, well, a two things here. First, as the king of pettiness, I would, absolutely cut off trade calls at this point i'd be like oh no you're absolutely staying now like there's i dare you to keep this going i dare you to make this even worse for you i dare you to try this because i don't think this is going to go in your favor um that's what i would do because at this point you're not going to get equal trade value for jamal adams like you're not going to get the kind of deal that makes it worthwhile to trade one of your three best players like it just it makes no sense to do that at this point especially this close to the season um b like if you trade him like if you're like you said another team where if he gets a little unhappy about something else, like we, he has a track record now of just gaslighting the entire organization. And I, I just, once it's out there like that, and once you put your name to this kind of stuff, like, I think it's really hard for teammates and other organizations to trust you because it's like, you've maybe already shown your true colors where like, it wasn't a momentary lapse of judgment of just, going off or just being frustrated with the process and wanting out and all that kind of stuff. No, you're now like actively being like, this is how I roll. Like I am going to, if I'm not happy about something, nobody's off limits. I am going to say and do whatever and let the chips fall where they may. Like, I think that's a very bold, bold move cotton. And I think (laughs) this is just going to backfire. I, possibly, um, I, I was looking at it as if a player is unhappy and he wants to be traded. The part of me is also is saying two things: is no, we don't want to trade you, or there's 31 other teams that, and out of that 31, I guarantee you, maybe 25 percent of them would want to deal with this headache. Let somebody else deal with it. We'll just get whatever you can from you. Um, and so that's what I think the Jets need to do. I don't think they will do it because I think they still have this hope that, oh, he'll fall in line. Guys, he's not going to fall in line. No. Let, mm-hmm. let, some, let, somebody <laughs> else, let, let somebody else deal with that headache. And, you know, if, if he does cause problems somewhere else, now all of a sudden the Jets can go, yeah, See, it, it it wasn't just us. Um, but yeah, I, I think it really all depends on 
who gets him and, and what the structure of the organization is because, yeah, for some reason, as, as Molly was saying, for some reason, the Jets just this is an ongoing problem where, you know, where guys are unhappy and it's, yeah, the Jets are a mess. Shocker. Um, of all the things in 20 in 2020, one thing remains constant is the Jets being a mess. Well, the good news is things are going great behind the scenes with their ownership group. Like, um, nothing's <laughs> going on there. So that's good. You're right. You're absolutely right. So good for them. Things are looking up with the Jets. Like, being a Jets-Mets fan, I just, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. Because, I mean, the Mets season already over before it got started. Syndergaard, Stroman, just all kinds of stuff. Just before they even, like, it's it's already over. But Jets, ownership stuff, like, I everything. Just, just terrible. I don't know how you do it. I don't know who's a bigger mess right now. I guess the Mets. I don't know. It's all weird. Like they might sell, but then, I don't yeah, know. Things There's are looking up a little bit. Jamal. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if they both sell I don't know. next year, maybe. Why I don't think that this affects Jamal as much as it does the Jets is because it, you look at how many chances that Antonio Brown got. Yeah, and like you said. Jamal Adams is not quite at Antonio Brown level, but Antonio Brown received several chances. Yes. More chances than I think that he was getting. And, and his stuff was serious off the field issues. And like, yeah, Jamal said, Oh, come get me to the Cowboys fans. And I'm trying to actively get to the Cowboys, whatever. And that's disrespectful. But I mean, compared to the stuff that Antonio Brown pulled, I mean, it's just different degrees and look at how many chances that he got. So I think there's always going to be a team in the the market for a player like Jamal Adams, no matter what kind of off the field issues he brings with it. So that's why I think the Jets should just kind of, you know, bite the bullet and just realize that, you know, no matter what they do, they're not going to get a hundred percent out of Jamal Adams. If they keep him, there's just no way. Like he's clearly expressed his attitude. He's expressed, where he's drawn the line in the sand and you're not going to get a hundred percent out of a player like that. So then why, why waste your time? You know, just get the trade going now. No, I'm staying petty. You're, you're cut. You don't report. <laughs> see what happens, my man. Like that is uh that is what I would do. It, it would or be, if you're going to be yeah. petty, just trade him to like, to the, to a place that he, I'm not saying that he doesn't want to go. Yeah, Cowboys immediately just, off limits. Like, there's no way well, I'm training you to Dallas. Gay send him to Miami. There you go. <laughs> oh, geez, that would be fun. That, that would be. Fun. That would be the ultimate. <laughs> I would send him to Cleveland. Just put OBJ everybody like just to see how Cleveland like just just go full on personalities. I would like to see it. Baker, Jamal, oh, Jarvis, like everybody. Let's see what happens. Um, but. Oh, another seven and nine season! I can't wait. I'm sure. I'm sure Jamal's gonna love that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. Like it's. It, I just think this is gonna continue to get uglier rather than uh, clear up anytime soon. Because my gut tells me that uh, Jamal Adams is a jet for this season. I don't think they're gonna move him. I think at this point, especially Adam Gase, what we know about him, I don't think he's gonna be like, yeah, let's go ahead and move this guy. He's gonna be like. No, let's see what happens. Because Greg Williams also hasn't been negative about anything, and he's been very positive. His DC and like Jamal Adams is a good fit in his scheme, and like that they, they can actually get him paid because Jamal Ad- their defense is actually pretty solid. Like I don't, I don't know, man. Like none of this is I, I, just whatever. We'll see what happens. Um, 
Molly, what can we check out from you mm-hmm. this week in the New York Post? What what should people be reading from you? Uh, I'm going to have a Rangers Islanders type preview, I think, in um, Sunday's paper, uh, just previewing the upcoming exhibition matchup. Um, and then I'm I'm going to be I'm I'm covering a lot of Rangers going forward the next week or so. So whatever availability they do have or, you know, whatever they are doing in the bubble, um, I'll be reporting on it. Islanders too, hopefully. Okay. Andrew, what about you? What can we check out from you? Uh, News Tribune. Going to be doing a breakdown of a Washington area guys in the uh, NBA bubble. Uh, That should come out uh, sometime on Monday. So a busy weekend ahead. There we go. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. As always, um, stay safe out there and enjoy a sports-filled weekend. First time we can say that (laughs) really in a while. So thank you so much, and uh, we will talk again soon. Yeah, thanks so much for having us on. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.